0: Hello there, it's Peter Mansbridge, host of The Bridge, where we reflect on the issues of the day and how they could impact you. Politics, public health, technology, they are just some of the topics you'll hear about. Cut through the clutter and tune into The Bridge, a serious XM podcast available everywhere. You're listening to a Frequency Podcast Network production. Hey, it's Jordan. Before we serve up this week's episode of In This Economy, I wanted to remind you, you can get these episodes two days early, every Thursday, by subscribing or following In This Economy in its own podcast feed, wherever you get podcasts. Plus, you will get some bonus episodes as we go, including one that's there already, if you want to check it out that features myself and producer Steph Phillips chatting about why the heck we did this thing in the first place. For now, of course... You'll find every episode here on Saturdays. But if you want it early and you like the show, we hope you'll find us over there and give us a follow. Enjoy the show.
1: You have one unheard message. I am finding it harder and harder to be able to go out and have fun with my friends because everything costs so much and my salary does not go far.
0: That's Mo. They work in marketing in Vancouver, and they called us with a money problem.
1: And I know I don't have to go out. I know I don't have to say yes to everything. I don't have to go to every gathering or every party. But it, it feels bad missing out on things.
0: Like a lot of people in their 30s, more and more of Mo's budget is going towards social and family obligations so that there's really not much left for the stuff they really want to be doing.
1: Like when a big musical comes to town and all my friends are able to go, but I just can't. Or when Beyonce or Taylor Swift comes by and everybody seems to have tickets when I thought that no one was able to afford it. And I am the only one that didn't go. And it feels like everybody's part of this big cultural event and everyone's talking about it and sharing photos and trading bracelets over it. And I couldn't make it work, so I couldn't go.
0: Now that is FOMO, get it? Anyway, unlike some of their peers, Mo's not ready to whip out the credit card and tap those feelings away.
1: I don't want to incur more debt than I can even handle just so I could go to these concerts or these musicals or these dinners or whatever. But at the same time, I don't want to look back one day and see that I missed a whole bunch, you know, that I didn't get to experience all the things and I don't know how to make it work.
0: This is what Mo is asking us. Is it possible to have a social life, a full social life in this economy? Is there a way to have fun without ditching your financial goals or racking up credit card debt? I'm Jordan Heath-Rawlings. You are listening to In This Economy, a show that helps you understand the systems that create our money problems from grocery bills and mortgage renewals to Taylor Swift concert tickets without the financial regret that comes with them. So in every episode, I talk to a person like Mo, who's facing a financial challenge, and then to an expert who really knows that area of the economy and can explain not just the factors behind the money problem, but offer if not perfect solutions, then some options and some things you can do to achieve what you're after, even in this economy. We all have jobs because we need to pay the bills. But when the job really feels like a grind or you want to just say F it and quit, it is the fun stuff that our paychecks make possible that keeps us going. But in reality... A lot of Canadians are struggling to have what feels like a full social life without breaking the bank. And our guest today, Shannon Lee Simmons, doesn't believe it has to be that way.
2: Ultimately, we are going to still go to a friend's birthday party dinner. We're going to still figure out how to have like some element of enjoyment. And we can't always not do the convenient thing sometimes you're just freaking exhausted and you need to take a taxi home because it's freezing and your boots are wet like you know
0: that's shannon she is a certified financial planner she is the founder of the new school of finance and she's a best-selling author too
2: i've been doing financial planning for 15 years like looking at people's day in, day out life. and you start to see you know what drives money and has nothing to do with a spreadsheet. It's like obviously you spend less than you make. If everybody knew that and did it, then I wouldn't have a job and money would be easy. It's not. But what I've learned over the years is like so much of our feelings about money and how we manage money and how we make decisions around our finances is just built on emotions and not I don't mean that in an illogical way. what I mean is like of course it is because we're human.
0: Um, our listener, is really struggling with maintaining a social life or affording those experiences that their friends are having or they see people having on social media. And there's a lot of FOMO involved with that. What do you say to somebody who who feels like they can't afford to have fun?
2: There's so many people feeling this across all demographics because things are really expensive right now. And I think the natural thing is like, well, you can have fun for free, but then everyone wants to gag. So the first thing that I would do um, whenever I'm chatting with somebody, including myself and my own peers, too, is recognizing like we can't do everything. You know, I've been doing this for a long time and I've really seen the difference between the pre social media and now the current state. I think we're hyper aware of all the things we're missing in a way that we simply were not, you know, 15 years ago. It is like salt in the wound Mm. of all the things that you wish you could do and can't. Uh, When you become hyper aware of all the things that 100 people you follow or 200 people you follow are doing, it, it compounds it. And if you're feeling like you're barely making ends meet and it's hard to have a social life, take yourself off social media. So you're not so aware of all the things you're unable to afford. It'll change your perspective pretty quick.
0: We're going to talk about what algorithms can do to you a little later. First, though, the first question I had down was like, Shannon, do you think it's possible to have fun in this economy? But you just said, you know, I could tell you like it's possible to have fun for free, but then you would gag. So why? Why would I gag?
2: Yeah, I think it is possible to have fun for free. I mean, there's so many people in the world that do that. What it really is, is how do you make it okay with yourself? So if you're in a financial situation that's very different from your peers, I'd have a hard look at that because they're having fun in a way that maybe you can't keep up with. It's not a way of saying like, get new friends, but maybe recognizing that and then also finding people in addition, not instead of the you know initial group that are in the same sort of financial sphere as you who are having fun for free, who are doing the free things in the place that they live, who are happy to go to a park and go for a walk instead of uh, go for a beer. And like, it doesn't feel like settling If you are doing it with people who are also just as excited to be there as you. Mm. So look at the people around you. That's what's making you feel like you can't have fun because the only way they have fun is to spend money.
0: You've got a concept called inadequacy influence. Yeah. Tell me what it is and how it applies here.
2: It is innately human to compare yourself it's not like a skill set that you're like oh i'm free of comparison now i've done my yoga no 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 we will always compare ourselves to our peer group it is part of how we survived for thousands and thousands of years you don't want to be left behind it doesn't make you greedy or petty which often when we hear the term like keeping up with the joneses we think of like two old men competing for the best car in a driveway in the suburbs like that's the that's what i see or that who's got the nicer fence and i definitely think that there are elements of that in super wealthy groups for sure one-upping each other financially but for day-to-day people who are trying to make ends meet and have a social life what it really means is like all my friends are going to a concert and I can't go and the inadequacy influence plays into that because sometimes when we feel like we're not good enough that it starts to creep into other areas of our life and make us feel inadequate overall like okay I can't afford this concert Well, what choices have I made? What regrets do I have?
0: Why don't I have a better job that I can afford these tickets? Why didn't I go to a better school?
2: Exactly. And so you start feeling inadequate in a whole bunch of areas of your life, even though, you know, we can just look at this like a concert and like you're making a really good financial decision if you don't go and you can't afford it. Instead of being proud of that decision, it just bleeds into a lack of confidence and inadequacy overall.
0: I want to talk about the actual finances of having fun because... A lot of the advice that I found is all about like cutting unnecessary spending. Take a hard look at your budget and, you know, get rid of this stuff and that stuff. And then you'll have enough money um, and everything will be fine. And I always come back to the avocado toast one because that was kind of like the cliche one, right? Like, of course, you can buy a house if you just stop eating avocado toast. But like, how did we get here where that kind of advice is so predominant?
2: The reason it happens is because we can control what we spend. We can't necessarily control what we earn, or at least that's a story we tell ourselves. And so therefore, it should be an empowering thing to say, look, you get to choose where the money goes every month. You want some more money for savings? Look at your spending reduce here, and you got it. You can do that. Whereas if someone came in and said, earn more, "Oh!" Like, do you know what I mean? Like, well, I don't know how to do that. Right. It's like, it's like way scarier. So I think that's why it's so predominant is that it's the actual mathematical truth, but where I feel like it gets warped or twisted into shame is where we categorize some of these places where people spend money. And then we assign value to them. Like uh, a classic example is uh, packing lunch, getting a latte blowing money on, um, you know, if you like to buy books, and you're like a, a book person, and you could just go to the library, but you buy the book and set so, like these kinds of things. And so some expert like, you know, like me or something, assigns a value that like, well, spending money on this is something you could easily go without. Why are you doing that? And then that adds the guilt and the shame every time you do one of those things. Oh, and like take it, for example, so you order a pizza, you immediately feel guilty. Right. And so I think that the way it starts is like, here are some ways that like, if you cook at home, you'll probably save five bucks and like, Hey, that's a good thing. But then it gets packaged into this like shame thing where we feel like if we spend money on any of those conveniences or pleasures, that somehow it's bad. And that's where it starts to feel icky. And then we just, sometimes it makes us just be like, well, I'm not going to try then. Cause I'm not allowed to have any fun.
0: Yeah. That's what I want to get at is the, like, you know, when you're in a precarious financial situation, as like a lot of people are now and more people every day as mortgages come up for renewal and stuff and people take really hard looks at their budget, it can start to feel like any spending on extraneous stuff is just something that should not be allowed. And uh, one of the things I saw, you know, we have a, our, our listener Mo and and they've experienced, they mentioned uh, missing out on concerts. I saw someone online who got tickets to the Taylor Swift concert and was posting like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this happened. I'm going to have to find another way to pay rent this month, but I'm so happy. And then there was a pile on after that, right? Like why, why are you going to this concert if you can't pay your own effing rent? Right. And that's the kind of, um, I call it like austerity measures, which is a term for like governments, but like people expect you to apply it to your life unless you're rich.
2: I agree. And I'm so frustrated that that person got hated on because like, What if they just said, I'm going to find another way to pay for this concert other than a credit card? Everyone would have applauded them. And essentially, it's the same thing. Mm -hmm. You're bringing in more money to pay for this expense that was like out of the blue. And people love uh, to pile on people who are spending money irresponsibly. I'm saying that in quotations for anyone who can't see me right now. And I do think it's that austerity. And when we get tight in a budget... If there's any pleasure or convenience spending, it really feels like we shouldn't be doing it because those are the first things that we often are told that are bad and to cut. And so what happens though, is that when you start feeling like every single dollar that you make cannot go to make your life easier or more enjoyable, we stop trying. So this is where credit card debt comes in, right? To close that gap between what you have and what you don't have. And as soon as credit card debt starts... Well, there's a big difference between a few hundred dollars and a few thousand dollars, right? And yeah. so, at some point along the credit card journey, you know, you the first to, to go from zero to one hundred is a big deal. Someone panics, they freak out. To go from five thousand one hundred to five thousand two hundred is like dropping the pan, right? So then, at that point, we've reached the screw it moment, whatever the effort moment. And then it's like, well, I'm in so deep, I don't care. So I often say, when you're going to take a hard look at your expenses do it from a place of emotional rate of return, okay? So when I say that, I call it your EROI, your emotional rate of investment or return on investment. So if we're looking at two different people and I'm looking at their expenses and they both need to cut 50 bucks a month, I'm just making this up as I go. You know, person A, might be like, uh, they spend, you know, 40 bucks on coffee, take out coffee. Um, and they're like, every time I do it, I feel gross. It's just because I didn't get up early enough. And it's part of this whole process in my life where I'm not getting up on the alarms are blah, blah. And like, the coffee is a result of my laziness. And it makes me feel gross. I hate it. Like, okay, well, that's like a low emotional rate, rate of return. Like I, I, I'd rank that like a one out of five. Like, let's, let's look there for cutting. But we're not cutting because I said lattes are expensive. We're cutting because it doesn't provide them any joy. And then I take person B and they have to cut 50 bucks from their spending. And they also spend $40 on lattes. And they're like, every morning I get up. It's part of my walk. I like get my coffee. I can like smell it. It's so good. I chat with my barista. It puts me in a good mood for the rest of the day. I don't think that person should cut that. I think we need to find something else in their budget that is a lower emotional rate of return for them to that will be easier to let go of. Right. And so not everybody is the same. And so by saying that you need to just cut lattes because they're bad, well, some people will be like, yeah, that's right. And some people will be like, how dare you? Like that's part of my Hmm. joy. And I only have. And as we get tighter and tighter in our budgets. We only have so much money to bring joy from let's make sure it counts. And I think a lot of that comes down to saying no to other things that are sort of like socially not acceptable to say no to. Like what? Like uh, I find, so I uh, for anyone that's listening, who, does, who I, I talk to clients every single day about their finances. So I see these yeah. anecdotal trends and something that has been consistent for over a decade for me are things like social obligate, like obligatory spending. So uh, all the wedding hoopla, right? So like bachelorette parties, showers, um, all that stuff. There is a point of which you're so happy to contribute and then it goes over a diminishing marginal return into the uh, zone if you're in the wedding party. And then also there's like three parties for one couple and what if you, what? Um, and so there's the wedding stuff or the bachelor party stuff. There's the baby shower stuff. There's the, um, oh, it's the holidays and everyone in my family decides that a hundred bucks a person or 50 bucks a person is the right amount, but like, I can't do that. So now I feel like I'm somehow beholden to this ridiculous budget for these gifts that I can't do. So gifting. And then if you're a parent, the kids' birthday parties, like, it's just like a thing that happens. You you don't want to say you don't want to send your kid to a birthday party with nothing, but you don't even know this kid, they're going to rip it open, never play with it again. It's like, it just feels like money that you are obliged to spend, but there's zero joy in it. And you don't even see the benefit of doing it in the, in the first place, but you feel like you must spend it. And I think that's the kind of spending that people will prioritize over stuff that maybe will bring them joy because they're afraid of being seen as selfish and they're afraid of being seen as not a team player. And that comes back to that whole, evolutionary thing of like keeping up with your people is like you don't want to be selfish and and seen as unkind even though you're just sort of self-protecting
0: how do we say no to those kind of obligations either a if we're serious about not spending money in ways that don't bring us joy or or b and you just can't afford it like do you have a script that can explain it here
2: yeah i i have well i this is sort of my rule book or playbook if you will for having like money conversations that are awkward. Number one, get over yourself. You have to be vulnerable and honest with whoever it is. And if you actually care about their feelings, then they probably care about you too, right? So number one, you're going to have to get vulnerable. Number two, make sure that like everyone is like eaten and is hydrated. That sounds funny, but like springing a money conversation with a disappointing Mm -hmm. outcome on somebody out of left field or by text or last minute, that's also not cool. Like you tell someone you're going to be there and then last minute bail, And then get angry because they're like, why are they they angry? Because, yeah, you last minute bailed. Like you should have told them a while ago that you couldn't afford it. Um, And then three, I often say like uh, when approaching it, just be like, literally say what you're doing. I am running tight right now. I am trying not to go into debt or I am trying to pay debt off or I have no savings and I need to build an emergency account so I can sleep at night. Like, What are you trying to do in your financial life that this person maybe didn't know? And when you actually outline, I'm trying to do this thing. People are, oh, wow. I, I should do that too. Or like me too, or whatever. Like I'm trying to do this. I cannot say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm going to this concert and I've already committed to myself that I'm going to do some things that are like joyful here. And if I do that, then I can't do this because I cannot say yes to everything. Mm-hmm. I hope you understand. And then the last piece is how can we still celebrate X or still make this special even if I, I can't do the thing financially that we originally planned, like what else is possible? And so if you come in with it like, hey, this is what I'm doing. B, these are why I can't do all the things. See, this is what I'm trying to prioritize for this reason. And for like, what else can we do? I would be hard pressed to find, and you do that not the day of, I'd be hard pressed to find somebody who would clap back at you. Yeah, And I think what's happened as a result of some of those really brave conversations is the person on the receiving line is like, oh, A, I didn't realize. Thank you for telling me. B, let's change the whole thing. I'm going to go do this really expensive birthday thing with these two friends that wanted to also do it. And then let's have a big old party afterwards at a normal place or like whatever. And it can be that. And then everyone has to just be okay with it.
0: I want to get really practical here for a second. When we look at the emotional return on investment Mm -hmm. and we have someone... Like Mo, where they're staring at a really tight budget, and they're probably now, hopefully, thinking about uh, what brings them joy. How do you want someone to go about that? Would you suggest they sit down and literally look through like their expenses for a month and give everything like a one to five score and and adjust accordingly?
2: Yeah, like literally, that's chapter six of worry free money. It's a yes. There we go. So that is my hard look at your finances. It is a line by line audit of where your money is going and what are the things that are dragging you down that you could set a boundary around and being really specific about it like highlighting the transactions that you don't even remember that's also that's a huge thing and that happens now with tapping i have found that tap technology and also like all those apps on your phone where you just press a button and it arrives yeah people forget they even do it
0: i'm so guilty of that and so
2: most people are because it's so so convenient
0: i, I just got it on my watch
2: right so the mindless spending is through the roof in a way that like is unprecedented and what's happening too is when i've been doing these sort of emotional audits with people which is a thing that like we do if they need to cut expenses and there's not a lot to work with we try to not be as restrictive make sure that the ones that are ca- are stay and count you know people will go through and i up until you know four years ago i never heard someone say like i don't remember that
1: mm. Yeah, and it was
2: only in the last thirty days. That is how mindless the spending is. Um, also, the paying attention to the price point at the checkout is also a thing. That's like we're kind of bypassing that like mindful moment. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, where you're handing over bills and you're like, oh,
2: exactly, one,
0: two, three, four. You
2: feel it. You feel the loss immediately. You see the loss, and you'll make decisions differently if you have a ceiling. I have as sort of like an exercise. One time, I, I told someone okay, for two weeks, bring the money that you want to spend in cash, which is like an old school way of thinking, totally. Yeah. But why I challenged them to do it is like feel the difference in how you're making decisions when you know you've only got $200 in cash on you and you're going to face you're going to be embarrassed if you get to the cash and you don't have enough versus no matter what you put in your cart, if you can just tap it away it doesn't matter if it was 240 or if it was 205 it doesn't matter because you know that you've got that waiting so mm-hmm. what What the outcome of that two-week experiment was like a hyper-awareness of the difference in how you make decisions when there's a ceiling.
0: Right. Let's say someone's already taken your advice. They've looked through their spending uh, for three months and they've ranked it all from one to five. And it turns out there's a lot of fours and a lot of fives that they've already spent the money on. They've already said uh, F it a couple of times. And now they're looking at a huge overspend. What do they do to, uh, to try to overcome that and to, uh, to not wind up there in the future?
2: We all fall off the wagon. So the worst thing that you can do is start beating yourself up. Um, so compassion for yourself, a little bit of grace and understanding. Obviously, if this is a repeat pattern, there's probably something else going on there too. But I typically see people's credit cards spiral a little bit, like once or twice a year to a point where they're like, ah, like, ah, I did too many things there. Or like, oh, this was really hard for me to say. No to the holidays being one of the the big ones and summer being the other. And so the best approach to that, if you even if you can't pay it off in three months because you kind of splurge and you, it is what it is, is just like slow and steady wins the race. Honestly, the worst thing you can do is go into hyper scarcity or hyper whatever, like screw it. This is me now. I'm just a person that has debt. Both of those are dangerous territory. So hyper scarcity may feel like the right answer because you want to get control of your of it right away the problem is is that that probably comes with extreme budgeting which is like promises that are unrealistic like i'll never take transit i'll never get a takeout something i'll never buy won't buy clothes for a year i won't do any of these things i vow to not spend money these kinds of things set us up for failure because probably the the average person's going to still do those things and then because you've made this massive promise and then you fail at it like feel like a financial failure and you're right back into well screw it i can't try i can't budget i'm not good at money and really it's not that you're bad at money it's just like the budget was like unrealistic like it should never have existed in that form so the best thing to do is to consolidate debt where you can so at least the lowest amount of interest that you're paying and then make a long-term plan so like maybe this debt will be with you for a year and a half okay that's what it has to be in order for me to sort of pay it off and then not go into more Then so be it. You can get out of it and you can do it slow and steady. And it doesn't have to be a self punishing thing for years to come. And it doesn't mean you're bad with money.
0: I want to ask you about social media. Cause you talked about it earlier and the whole keeping up with the Joneses type thing. Um, this show is about how nobody or many, many of us feel like we can no longer afford the things that our parents could easily afford or the things that are part of like what we imagine a normal life to be. And it feels so out of reach. I also wonder if our perception of what should be within reach has been warped. Like, I think like, oh yeah, I should be able to afford what my parents afforded. But then I think back, like my parents were not going on European vacations. My parents were not like eating lunch out every day. And maybe I'm just misunderstanding what a normal life should be.
2: I have so many things to say on that. Number one, having your own home the backyard with no other relatives living with you this was like a this is a blip in the historic in history in the western world right our like, very
0: first episode of this show was about co-ownership of a home and that was the point our uh, one of our guests made it's just like where did this come from
2: where did this come from so it came from a big, huge boom after the war in the West anyways, and um, two incomes and housing prices didn't really catch up with that for quite some time. Right. So you had two people working out of nowhere in like the eighties and the nineties and stuff. And then they bought a house. If you look back to the patterns of income, it was four times their income, not 10 times the income of a house, which was, it kind of is now the affordability index. So we grew up with that with no other people in the house. But again, it's a warped vision of like what that is like a trip with your family was like camping. Like you even even see the comedies from like the eighties and nineties, like a family camper van. Like no one's flying anywhere. That's no one's doing that kind of stuff. Like maybe you went to a different province. Maybe you went to the U.S. for whatever you drove across the border. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it comes back to that social media piece of like being hyper aware of all the things that so many people who aren't really supposed to be in your social sphere. I shouldn't know what people like five blocks away from me are doing with their kids for March break. But somehow, because I met that mom at a thing five years ago and then I followed her, I like know what she's up to. And I see her like, do you know what I mean? Like, it's like too much for our brain. Yeah. And so I'm like, Oh, are my kids missing out because they didn't go apple picking? Like, You know what I mean? When I might not have even thought about apple picking in the first place, but now I feel like I need to like, I have to like take them apple picking or else I like missing out on some like key experience. How does that
0: impact our perception of fun when we're talking about like, you know, when Mo's talking about like, I don't know if I can have a social life because I'm seeing people do X, Y, and Z. Like how does it impact your, your day-to-day FOMO?
2: I do feel like it warps our version of what fun is, first of all, and what is necessary in order to have fun. And then number two, being hyper aware of what you're not doing makes your current situation feel unfun, even if it's not. And so I don't know that I can have a social life. I would maybe translate that into, I don't know that I have an Instagrammable life that is like uh, the same as the people that I am supposed to be similar to. That is like what, and I'm I'm not taking away from what Mo's experience, I'm completely validating it. And and social media is the problem. It makes us hyper aware of what we can't do so that what we can do doesn't feel fun anymore.
0: So what should you do about that with your social media then? Should Mo or all of us be unfollowing people, muting people? Like again, it's one of those things. If you do that, then you're going to have FOMO about what you're not seeing on social media.
2: Yeah. I think I've put a lot of my clients and myself, uh, on social media detoxes. And again, not forever. Okay. I would say a detox usually two to three weeks. Peace out. You see people do this all the time and what what you're paying attention to. I often say that people should like journal during that time. The withdrawal will usually go away after like six or seven days. And I the remarkably, what people report back is that they're like, I can't drop this forever because there's like a social aspect to this now that is like so ingrained in our day-to-day life. I feel like a light if I don't have it. However, when you do a detox, it brings you hyper aware again of like, wow, maybe my life isn't actually boring. I actually do enjoy the things that I am able to do, even though that, you know, of course I wish I could do more, but man, social media is really ratcheting that resentment up. So yes, I feel that resentment. But it would be a manageable level of resentment. But now I've got this thing that's just making it feel tense every day, like it never relents. And so when you remind yourself of that, sometimes when it happens to you again, you can be like, oh, hello, there's, hello, darkness, my old friend, like you can just, you can uh, experience it, breathe it in and let it go because you understand the algorithm is like impacting me right now. And this isn't real. I, I, I don't have to hate my life just because I'm not at this, wherever that person is.
0: Like the GI Joe thing, right? Now, now you know, yeah, you know, knowing half the battle.
2: Precisely,
0: Shannon. Thank you so much for this. Um,
2: so fun. Really
0: impactful. Helped me. Really hope it helped Mo.
2: Thanks for having me.
0: Thanks so much to Shannon for helping us figure out how to inject more joy into our monthly budgets. But before you go and splurge on whatever tailor tickets you can find or before you start cancelling all your family invites, let's lay out what you got to do. First, as Shannon said, get a snapshot of where your money's been going. Look through the last month of your expenses or even the past three. Do you recognize all those purchases? Which ones were necessary? Which ones were for fun? And which ones did you make almost uh, unconsciously? Shannon recommends ranking your expenses from one to five on the happiness scale, and you can exclude the necessary ones like food and shelter and transportation. Once you've gone line by line, start crunching the data. What spending made you the happiest, both in the moment and when you think back on it now? Look at your budget and see where you can cut those ones and twos to make more room for the stuff and experiences that resonated with you. Number two. If you've been feeling a lot of FOMO lately, reflect on where that's coming from. Is it that your friends were all doing something in real life and you couldn't afford to go? Or is it that you've been scrolling through Instagram and TikTok a lot lately and you've seen vacation videos and home reno videos and that's got you feeling like you should be able to do that? If it's that, then you need to consider changing up your feet. Whether that means unfollowing some influencers and lifestyle accounts or even muting the friends that make it hard to enjoy the fun you can afford. And if that doesn't work, you might need a social media break, even if it's just for a few days or a couple of weeks, so you can pay attention to how it feels not to see that stuff and see if it affects your spending. And look, lastly, I'm never going to pretend that you will lead the most fun, exciting life without spending any money. But living our best lives does not mean living a life of luxury. We've all read and watched enough celebrity tell-alls and exposés to know that a lot of the people leading the lives that we see on social media are still unhappy. And here's where I get a little bit cheesy on you. Having fun... And enjoying your life is about the people that you spend it with. It's not about what you do. If you're finding that you and your friends are in the habit of spending a lot whenever you hang out, just try doing something different. Hang out at a park or in someone's backyard. There are always ways to have fun that won't break your budget and that will let you break your budget when you need to. If you want to hear more of Shannon's money advice, she has three books out. Bestsellers you may have heard, including Worry-Free Money, which you can find anywhere books are sold. If you listen to this and, like Mo, you're thinking, you got a money problem, then we want to hear from you. You can email us at hello at itepod.ca, or you can call us and just ramble on and talk it out. Leave us a voicemail. That number is 416-935-5935. As you probably know, if you've been listening to this show, we don't need your real name. We do need your real numbers, real fears, real plans, real questions, and real contact information so I can talk to you. You can find us on social media as well. We're on Instagram and TikTok at In this Economy Pod. If you want more of this show, if you want us to keep at this, you need to share us with anybody and everybody you can find. Word of mouth is how these podcasts grow. The best way to help us out, aside from just telling all your friends or even taking their phones and subscribing them to our feed, is to rate and review this podcast in every podcast app that'll let you do it. I am your host and your executive producer, Jordan Heath-Rawlings. This episode was written and produced by Ali Graham. The sound design was done by Robin Edgar. Story editing by Stephanie Phillips. Mary Jubrin is our digital editor. Diana Kay is our manager of business development and, altogether. We're the Frequency Podcast Network. Thank you once again for listening. We will talk to you next week on In This Economy.